episode of the Master of One podcast, the podcast that can't wait till the end of the world. In this episode, we talk about Faye, Sorry to Bother You, Apocalyptic Girl, and New York. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. And I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. So head to Costco and stock up on non-perishables, because it's time to drop the bomb. It's only 10.94. We like to kick every episode off by going around the table, which is where we talk about something new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. And, uh... First and foremost, it should go as stated formally, Luke is once again not here. Never fear, he shall return. Um, but he's not here, so if you are waiting... But this for- week's different. Like, he was on the way to record with us this week, and I think there was like a an, like an animal stuck in a tree. He and had so to he- get the tree animal out. Yeah, and so he called the fire department, they showed up, and then like it was a big ordeal. And so I, he's still tied up with that. So he, he would have been here, had, but he is saving wildlife actively yes, right yes, now. Yes, 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 so. uh, It was Sasquatch. Um, so anyway, uh, Patrick, just tell us about uh, your, your little week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so last week I mentioned those pins. I mentioned uh, Blue Ruin uh, and Eight Meets Girl, and those did come in i'm very pumped about those and so i this is normally when i would show that you just heard me drop them everywhere by the way because this audio quality is so great um normally i would show these to you i I can't but just understand they're great one of them is a dharma initiative it's the dharma logo and uh, it just says enamel pin on it the same way as if you got a dharma initiative beer it would just say the word beer um and then the other one is going to be um the uh han solo in carbonite uh the whatever that casting is and and then i have a third one that's a gift that i'll refrain from describing because i haven't given the gift yet so i can't describe it because i could like give away the secret so uh but got the pins and that's great the, it's a gift for somebody it's a gift to give to someone like that's what i do sometimes is it the like, one that i know about yeah no it's the one that you know about exactly oh, okay he doesn't listen to the show so it's fine <laughs> great so it is a pin that is shaped like a big gulp and it says big gulps huh and uh, that is a phrase that this dude says like all the time, so it just made sense. Uh, beyond that, Scythe is still kicking my butt. Like I haven't cracked the code on Scythe. We've been playing that game more and more. We just uh, got the uh, upgrade for the resources, so we have like the real look and feel resources, which is a really cool upgrade for the game. If you're playing Scythe, they're like thirty bucks. Go buy them off Amazon or something. A um, lot, a lot of fun. But every time I play the game. Like right now, I in my mind, I have like 50 different strategies I want to try. But you understand if you played the game, it is going to be a long time before I'll get to try them all because it's it's an involved game. And so uh, that's been great. Beyond that, Andrew, you and I have a shared experience this week. But I'll let you talk about what happened, you know, in, in your week. And then we will uh, talk about that shared experience. Um, and real quick before I throw it to you. Doesn't the S, like the SDCC stuff that we've seen so far from Mondo because Mondo finally like put out a lot of their releases this week uh, is looking super good. Yeah, their lineup makes me sad that I'm not there. Oh, because it's it's like because you're not gonna see it if you're not there. You're not gonna see it. That that's yes. what it is. Or you'll see it on eBay for like four times as much. 
and that they will do timed releases and they will do some online variants of some of the pieces. I know last year, uh, all throughout the week at random times, they would like drop stuff. I think they were doing like three drops a day, like the entire time SCCC was going on or like the week of STCC. But that being said, it's man, the stuff they're going to have there in person is just beautiful. I, I know that the one in particular that you're wanting is that da- Daniel Danger Shape of Water piece. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that piece is. I mean, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know that uh, I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. And last year, one of my favorite movies of the year, and a lot of people's favorite movie of the year because yeah. it won Best Film, it was The Shape of Water. And uh, I have a hand, uh, like a hand chosen, like select few pieces uh, of Shape of Water from artists that I love Jared Mariama, Andrew Kolb. Um, but. Uh, but this piece is amazing, and we love Daniel Danger. He's a great guy. We've had him on the show before. He's he's super cool. Uh, and to see this piece, I want it. They, there's a variant that's black and white um, that they will have up online, and I'm going to go for that and purchase it. If I am able to swing somebody going and, and, and uh, being a personal buyer for me at Comic-Con and I get the regular, then I will sell the variant. But uh, the regular is great because it's that green kind of emerald color. Yeah. I mean, the scene makes sense. You know, the scene of the movie theater that they use, which is what would be below the apartment in the film, we only really saw that a couple times in the movie. It didn't necessarily play into the film. However, for a, a poster that represents the film, the idea of a, a old-time movie theater is such a perfect encapsulation of... Oh, and one that is, is, is completely submerged. Right. Yes. Like, exactly. It is a. It is a perfect. It is a perfect blend of what the movie is and what Daniel Danger does. Like it's Absolutely. like it is hand in glove. Um. I mean, it's it's beautiful. So part of me thinks I think the green is beautiful, and if I look at them at first glance, I want the green one. But part of me says the black and white somehow makes like the most sense, uh, because of this idea of like classic cinema. But man, the just if any of the prints that Daniel Danger does, uh, like the color prints, he just has a way of getting this really, uh, not necessarily ominous, but this really dark, ominous, deep yeah, tone uh, out can, of his colors. Can he I tell really you why ones. I'm a, I'm nervous about the black and white one? Because I, I like the black and white one. The JPEG they shared seemed like a lot of the detail might get lost and get murky. So I don't right. know if that's just the JPEG and that's just the online viewing of it. It's likely that I'll only be able to get the black and white one anyway. So I have to maybe come to grips with the fact that it, that might be all I can own. Um, but I'm afraid that it won't that it won't be as as vibrant when I get it. And I know that sure. makes no. I mean, obviously it's black and white it won't be as vibrant. But maybe it won't be as detailed. I could be wrong. It could just be the the the. The JPEG. Seems like it'll lose it, it depth somehow. Like yes. somehow the color is giving it more contrast, even though you would think white and black would have the most contrast. Can I tell you why I think, or one of the things that I think might be coming into play here? They may have taken the color one and just made it uh, black and white, like inverted the colors like to black and white. It yeah, on on the computer to get the uh, just to get the thumbnail of the image because the blacks don't seem like they're true black. The the blacks seem like gray so i'm right. i'm holding out hope that the black and white one will be as as beautiful and whatever but anyway yeah it's great all right so go ahead with your week okay so uh i was just counting it out i, I my whole desk is filled with stuff that i was able to get this week so i'm just going to kind of rapid fire through it and then we'll talk about our shared experience uh we had on the show last week we had ben brick if you haven't listened oh no that's this week 
No, oh, that's yeah, last week. That was two weeks ago. That's two weeks ago. Yeah, we had Andrew Heath last week. <laughs> it's bad. Lincoln Design is coming up this week, which is really exciting. And then two weeks ago was Ben Brick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or something. He's been on the show before recently. <laughs> um, anyway, super cool guy. If you haven't uh, listened to that interview, go back and do it. He's he's a rad guy and uh, super talented. Anyway, I purchased a couple things from him, and those came in. Uh, I bought the two... Um, the the tales from the grove books so yes. these are the books uh, i'm going to show patrick real quick and then uh, we'll put links to it in the in the uh in the show notes but here's the like the illustrations inside of it patrick they're very man i didn't realize how large these books were yeah they're yeah they're le- they're legit so then, explain to me like the type of stuff that's in the book because it looked like it almost looked like an activity book no it's a storybook it, it okay. it's a storybook but it comes with um it comes with his bookmarks, uh-huh. and uh, he, he, they don't. These didn't come with it, but they they did at one point come with custom crayons that were because uh, the the kid's name is uh, what's it? What's his kid's name? Like Hollow the boy, Hollow is the boy, and okay. the and there was a crayon that had the the brick logo because his logo looks a little bit like the Crayola logo, and uh, it does, it, yeah. the wrapper on the outside of it was Hollow Boy Blue. Um, okay. so anyway, uh, so he sent me those, but then he also sent some gifts for you guys, uh, including a howdy sticker for each of you, you and Luke, <laughs> yes. um, and each of you get a greetings from South Dakota postcard or from North Dakota postcard, um, which is great. Like super high quality. Like, I don't know if you can see it, but like yeah. the, the card stock is beautiful and here's the back of it. Um, oh, man, that looks good. It's really, really good. And then he he also sent uh, sent me one of the uh, Rough Riders ones, but and yeah. everything looks perfectly old, but still like high fidelity. Absolutely. And he wrote us a a nice little note. I'll read. Uh, here here's another card that he did. This is just another one of his Ben Brick uh, Brick illustration postcards that he sends to people. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I like to believe that's his home. I actually think it probably is his house. His house. Um, but he wrote a nice he write, wrote a nice note. I'll read it to you off air. Um, super nice guy. Uh, thank you, Ben, for this stuff. Um, I'll make sure that everybody gets what they what they need. Um, I got a package from uh, Alex Delianis. Nope, Deliani. Um, I got the four Ninja Turtle pins. So he, if you don't remember Alex, he was our very first like legit guest on our on our show. He's like yeah. episode eight or something like that. He uh, like that was a that was a bit ago. It was over four years ago. And he um, used to work, when we first talked to him, he worked at Nickelodeon Studios, and he worked on the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reboot, uh, doing coloring work with them on like um, on the, uh, the pilot episode and all sorts of stuff. He then moved on. I think he's at DreamWorks now. He's doing some stuff with DreamWorks. But um, his style of Ninja Turtle is one that always kind of captured me. I have several of his pieces around my house and in my studio and, in, and at the office. Um, but uh, he released this year for Comic-Con uh, a set of four, four pins of just the turtle heads in his like perfectly uh, cartoony, comic booky style. And um, he released a handful of the sets prior to Comic-Con on his website. I was able to get some of those. They're in. They are beautiful. They are super fun. I can't wait to... Um, don them on my jacket uh, when it gets a little bit cooler outside. So those are great. A link to those will be in the show notes. 
if there are any left. I'm sure whatever's left after Comic-Con, he'll put up. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Another thing I purchased from um, our friend Lauren over at Not Cool Co. Uh, I got the oh, that's right. Ron that's right. Swanson uh, pin. It's a, it's a head of Ron Swanson. It's a cartoon head from Ron Swanson. Back from when we did the... Uh, the the mustache it was like the inktober version of of mustache what was it was it like i can't remember what it was called like what i don't remember what movember yeah but i don't remember if that's what if that's what the actual title of the 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 thing was anyway lauren ran a deal uh with the podcast like a year or two ago where um it was a drawing a day of people with mustaches (laughs) that she did so she has like 31 mustaches or mustache characters. She's made pins from some of them. One of those was Ron Swanson. I bought that because I love Ron Swanson. But on top of that, uh, she did this Jeff Goldblum gold foil sticker that says, uh, it's almost like the um, like the Virgin Mary kind of sticker where he's got like the halo around his head. Awesome. Like you would see on like candles or things yeah, like, it looks that, like, this like would that. Go on. This looks like this would go on the outside of a candle. But it says around it in a in like an arch around it, it says I'm simply saying that life uh finds a way, Jeff Goldblum. It's beautiful, so fun, and the fact that it's a, a gold foil and so it shines is oh, it's perfect. Um, she sent a, a a really fun note with with that as well. She's so cool. She sent extra stickers. She sent me some Star Wars stickers with it, and a nice little note that she put a three dimensional um Triceratops sticker on underneath. So. If you buy stuff from these people, there's I I've, I've very seldom bought something from somebody and haven't gotten some kind of personalized note, thank you or something like that. Um, so go patronize these people, go buy things. Um, final thing that I got, and uh, this is something that uh, is honestly super fun and brought me back and and made me far more emotional than I would have ever thought that I could have gotten over something like this. Kid Robot. Um, just released their their new licensing stuff that's in conjunction with Nickelodeon, and it's specifically the Nickelodeon 90s stuff, the Nickelodeon 90s cartoons. And so I got the medium figure of Reptar, and uh, he's rocking his bowl of Reptar cereal. The sculpt is amazing. He's a little over seven inches tall, all vinyl figure. The colors are just on point. If you watched Rugrats when you were growing up, you would love this. He's going to be an excellent addition to my shelf. Um, got him today, opened him up. He comes with a box of, of oh, Reptar man. cereal, <laughs> um, which is just great. And here's the box, Patrick. I'll show you the box because I'm like thoroughly impressed with the packaging. You talked last week about yeah. Kid Robot's packaging. Um, the cardboard for it is like – I'm going to flick it so you can hear – Exactly. It's like sturdy, thick cardboard. Um, but here's the box. It's a nice big blister window on the front. Uh, and then on the back, look at the illustration work of Reptar on the back. Yeah, that looks awesome. It's so good. I don't know who yeah. the artist was who did it on the back. I, I would love to know who did the packaging design because the illustration, um, I'm not going to do this, but like I look at that illustration and think if I was maybe just a little bit further down the road of carrying I would get that tattooed on my body because it's like, because I loved Rugrats growing up. It's like totally like part of my, my childhood. Um, and this illustration of Reptar is like perfect. It's like a perfect, uh, a perfect blend of old and new. You know, this wasn't 
this wasn't an original drawing from the from the '90s because it's a little bit too clean or stylized for that. However, it ap- absolutely pi- perfectly fits the theme of sure. a revised version of something from the 1990s. Anyway, uh, put a show a link to the show notes, a link in the show notes to that uh, if you would like to pick that up as well. Mighty Jacks just came out uh, with their Reptar as well, but that's one of the X-ray like cutaway ones from uh, from Jason Freeney. Um, who knows? Maybe that will land on my shelf as well in the coming uh, coming weeks or months. But uh, anyway, got a lot of stuff this week. Uh, it's, it was a it was a good week for mail. Um, all right. So before we head into our master categories, we do have a shared experience. And since Luke isn't here and Luke had TV and film, we're going to cover that for him. Um, Patrick and I saw a movie. Yes, we did. today. That's how I would describe it. It's still fresh in our minds. Um, Patrick, why don't you just tell people about it? <laughs> Great. So we saw the uh, Boots Rally film, Sorry to Bother You. So this film, um, it just came out. Was this week the week it opened? Or yeah, this was, open, opened? this was opening week. It wasn't supposed to open in our market until next week. Okay. So we, we had a chance to go see it. And this film has been, I mean, leading up to its release, has been very highly praised. Um, for and very highly a, promoted. Yes, I mean we've we've been we've seen this trailer so many times. At least I I know I've seen it. The you know other eighteen movies I've seen in the last month I've seen this trailer in front of it, and um, and it's been getting a lot of like great reviews and great press. I mean if you if you just Google the title of it, you'll see articles from every big name talking about how it's um, you know how it's uh perfect uh social satire and it's a voice in our current time and it's um you know how great the cast is and all this kind of stuff and uh and it's got great reviews too that's the other thing i mean rotten tomatoes it's it's over 90 and in the reviews that have come in from uh pre-screenings and stuff have all been great and so couldn't wait to go see the film and and the trailer is genuinely funny i mean it's a funny trailer you know that you're getting into something uh, like you know that you're getting into some serious subject matter, but at the same time, like it, it, it's genuinely funny. So very excited to see the film. So we got up early this morning and uh, caught the first showing of the day. And uh, I definitely walked out of there uh, with no words and with my mouth agape. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how I would describe it. So um, do you want me to go in more about... I, I I won't give any. There's only one thing, like one thing that I would consider a spoiler to the film. Yeah. Um. So no, so we, that's, sh- we shan't we shan't do that. We won't spoil it. Yeah. But but I'll I'll go and say the the film itself is. Um, Andrew, I think you you put it really well. You said it was uh, at its most simplistic and literal. It was about it was about uh, a a person or a people trying to find their or trying to find their voice and and really it's about finding your voice regardless of what that means for you like your truest voice so and i would say that i had a little bit different takeaway although i would certainly say finding your voice is is part of it i still slightly different takeaway for me it was because the movie itself opens with uh you know kind of this waxing philosophical these like big abstract thoughts about what's what is purpose like what is life's purpose and i think during the film we see that through the lens of capitalism 
And then I think at the end of the film, it comes back to the idea of building a better world um, is more valuable than building a better, how, how do I say this? Almost than building, definitely than building personal wealth, but it's almost like sacrificing yourself at the expense of everyone is a noble and better thing to do. So that that's kind of what I felt like the takeaway is. I mean, in that sense, it's a very positive message and it's a very good thing. Uh, but man, I was just, I, I don't know. It just, nothing really landed for me. I, I didn't find it very funny. I thought a lot of the really funny moments are already in the trailer. And so you've kind of yeah. already seen them. I thought there were some kind of things that were, you know, meant to be funny through being shocking, but they just didn't land. And it could have been, maybe it could have been the time of day. I don't know. But it, to me, the humor wasn't landing for me. And it is intended to be a comedy. And then the message also was kind of like, it's fine, but I don't, I don't know. It just didn't seem revealing. It didn't seem like, deep some pieces of it seemed too on the nose so i just kind of walked away from the movie feeling like yeah that was a movie i kind of wish we had seen three identical strangers instead so it wasn't a very positive experience and there aren't very many people i'd recommend this movie to i mean i think that yeah that's that that's the thing so i was walking away thinking about how we were going to talk about this right and a lot of times we say go see this movie because whatever 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 right I would not recommend anyone to see this movie. Not because it was like too shocking or too whatever, or I disagreed with the point they were trying to yeah, make. It's none of those. And it wasn't even it wasn't even that like it was poorly acted. The actors I thought were great in the film, yeah. honestly. The movie was just so unappealing to me by the time it was done the way it was edited i thought was very poorly done like if it was intentional to be edited the way they did it it felt undone to me i would argue every movie is edited intentionally but no 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 no, because i you're right in the general sense but i mean if they intentionally edited to edited it to look like it was somebody's college project because it felt like there were some non sequiturs right it felt like like uh they did some uh they did some uh what are they like soft edge like circular transitions you know like where it kind of sure. focuses in and it comes back out um where where they didn't feel natural uh, they were very hard scene breaks um it just felt like it was undone it was just it was poor editing but if it was done intentionally then okay whatever it just it wasn't good to me like it wasn't good enough and it wasn't controversial enough that i would say anyone should see it and then let's dialogue about it you know um i just realized i just very bad to me just to me it just it it was i had much higher hopes for it the uh we talked about the cinema score and how cinema score rates what people's uh expectations are from the movie based on the trailer versus what they actually get in the outcome if this movie doesn't get an f i'm gonna be pissed that's my that's my sentiment. On it. I haven't read what it is. I think I briefly tried to look it up and didn't see it. Um, yeah, I, I guess my you know there's people out there that are listening that are like consider themselves movie buffs and in if you're that person, surely go see the film. I mean, of course you should see the film that that every other uh, movie critic loves. But if you're just like the average Joe that maybe sees two movies a month, don't let this just, be one of them. I just don't think this is it. Not not with everything else that's out right now. Go like see Ant Man and Wasp. 
<laughs> yeah, I was kind of flipping through my purchase history lately, and I was thinking, like, go see Sicario, or go see Ant-Man and Wasp, or go see, like, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Fantastic documentary. Go see American Animals. There's just so many other things that I would tell you to go see if you're only going to see two movies this month than this film. So and, I, I, and several of the ones you just listed are, are still in theaters. Also, yeah, unique, but they're unique and refreshing. Not just unique for, for being unique's sake. They're unique. They have something to say, and it's refreshing. I was yeah, I was just let down. I was super. Three let identical down. strangers is out right now. If you haven't seen the preview for that documentary, that looks fascinating. Oh my gosh, it looks fascinating. Um, and we then, can't recommend it yet, though. I'm like gun shy now to recommend movies before I see. No, them. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go that far. I like this is, this is this is the rarity. So anyway, I, it was a film I was confident that I was just gonna be like enamored with and love and like big eyes the whole time. And I almost felt disappointed at myself for not liking it. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, too. Like, when all the other critics say this thing is is a must-see and is a, a, a telling um, a satirical picture of what, you know, the, the world is like today, and then it ends up being what it, what it was, I'm, I'm sitting here going, what's wrong and with I, me? <laughs> I cannot state enough that the thing that we're dancing around with what it ends up being... Like if we said it, like it's ridiculous. Your jaw jaw would drop. You would think we were making it up. You would honestly think there's no way that this movie, the movie that I saw a trailer for, ended ended up this way. There's no way you would. Let let me say this: the Boots Riley that made the film, he does describe this as a sci-fi dystopian future something. So keep that in mind. Yeah, Keep those you, words in mind when you see it. Yeah, and you would never get that from the commercial. So that's that's yeah. an, that's an important note. All right. So anyway, that's enough airtime we're going to give to Sorry to Bother You. Um, honestly, the movie... It's sorry to bother you. Yeah. Honestly, aptly named a movie. <laughs> like, at the time I was done, I, I felt like I needed to g- send a check to uh, MoviePass because I didn't even think they should have paid for it. So that was... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give that movie a, uh, I'll give it a two and a half. That's what I'm going to give that movie. Oh my gosh. Uh, I probably liked it slightly more, so I'll give it a three. Okay. I thought Danny Glover was great in it. <laughs> honestly, the stars of the show, for, honest, for me, were, the, were, were Danny Glover, the main character. I can't remember his act, the actor's name. David the, Cross and... Um, David Cross and, and uh, Patton Oswalt did, Patton the, Oswalt. did the, the white voices. For these black characters, which if you don't know what we're talking about, then you're fine. You're saying um, that you love the guy that played Cassius. I love the guy that played Cassius as an actor. I liked his I liked his character and him him acting in it. And then I loved the Pat, the fact that Pat Oswalt and David Cross were in it and Danny Glover. That was Lakeith the, Lakeith Stanfield. That's that's it. Lakeith. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on from that. You gave it a three. I gave it a two and a half. Together, it's not even a good enough film to go see on it. It's our lowest, that is our now lowest rated film, surprisingly. Absolutely. I would rate the movie Rubber higher than that because you know the movie Rubber is going to be bad when you I haven't seen the movie Rubber, but oh, you should. All right, that's it. I know it's about a tire that's like murdering people, right? Yep. Uh, a, uh, not a, what is it? What is it when uh, a psychic, a psychic tire, a tire that has psychic abilities? (laughs) But it, like, at least that movie, it's all in the name. At least you know going into it that this like, when you sit down. Oh, okay, yeah, this is be dumb. <laughs> right, it can only go up from there. That's true. Um, all right, so that's it for our around the table. Up next, we're going to talk about some master categories. <laughs> the master categories each week are when we get to talk about the tokens we drew the week before. And uh, man, that's what we're going to do this week. It's pretty straightforward. 
Yep. Uh, Patrick, you have... Toys and Games. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, so this week, talking about a game, actually, Andrew, that you bought. So we, we when we were buying that Scythe expansion, those real resources, uh, Andrew, you, have, uh, you do something I can't do. Like, I am physically unable to just see something on a shelf that I've never seen before, pick it up and buy it. I don't know how you do that. I have to like I have to research, I have to like price shop it around and I have to like get reviews from like 10 people and compare them. But that's what you did. You saw this board game Faye sitting on a shelf. You picked it up and uh, and we took it home and started playing it. And so what Faye is, this is a game by uh, Z-Man Games uh, designed by Leo Colavini. And uh, it's a it's a group of druids, and it's it's actually five like factions of druids, and the game board is made of. Um, did you say there are places? They are places what? and territories, or places and get, regions. Places and regions. I don't want to get it wrong because Andrew has corrected me several times off air. Places and regions. So it's these druids that are laid out randomly across these places, which are inside these regions. And then all, all you do is, um, all, you know, like Mancala, where you would, like, pick up the marble and, like, just place it in, like, the next slot. You know, like that type of thing. You just move it to the next spot. It's kind of like that. You, you take a druid, like, a, you take a place, and any druids on that place, you just pick up and you move it to an adjoining place. That's your turn. And the next turn, someone picks up druids off a place, and they move it to an adjoining place. And you do that until once they're, once they become, like, uh, cut off from everyone else so like if druids are on a place and there's no adjoining spaces anymore then at that point you score you score what the points for everybody and so depending on how many druids are on the space or the makeup of the druids like uh you you just score it for everybody and, and all that kind of stuff and then at the end of the game whoever has the most points wins uh, very, very straightforward there's a set of cards that are a modifier um, but it's a, it's a very easy mechanic. And so you can pick up the game. I mean, in just, you know, five minutes of explanation, someone can show you how to play the game and you can start playing. Yep. Very, very fun game. And it is deceptively easy in that the more you play it, the less easy it seems. Like the first time you play the you game. Deceptively difficult? It, it deceives you into believing it's easy. Mm-hmm. I think what we both said was correct, roughly. Um, if so, you take what we both said. There's truth somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah. So um, so you can play the game very quickly. The first time you play through, it's incredibly simple. And uh, it feels random. Like, as you're playing the game, it just kind of feels like, oh, just maybe do this, maybe do this. We'll see how it shakes out. And then the more you play the game, you start applying strategy to it. And you start realizing, you start thinking several moves ahead. And you start deciding, well, how can I kind of, like, alienate those people? And how can I get myself in the mix over here? And how can I... And, and you start, like picking up and applying these strategies and then you realize like hey this is actually a pretty challenging game and if you're playing with people that have been you know have a similar experience level you can have some pretty long terms just trying to figure out like what what's the best way because you're not just calculating that move you're calculating that move plus everyone else's move like the ripple effect from that move and uh and so there's like a lot of like internal computing going on while you're playing the game the twist to all of this that you don't know is you don't know what... Fa- I told you there are five factions. You don't know who is what faction. Everything is secret. You know who you are, but you don't know who everybody else is. And there is an there is at least one faction present that no one is c- controlling. 
So it's almost like the computer faction, you know, it's the, the whatever that just gets points, you know, uh, just in the course of the game is going to naturally end up getting some points. Now we've, we've played every time we've played, we've played with at least four players. It says to play with a max of four. We have played with five before. So we've actually given someone that one additional faction. But if you played with three players, then you would have two two factions that are on the board that you're moving the pieces. You don't know who controls, but they're actually not controlled by anybody. And so uh, it's, again, it's something that seems like, oh, that's simple. I don't really need to know. But it actually does factor into your decision making. Like when you're trying to decide who gets points and who doesn't get points and who to sacrifice and who to let live and how do you mask your identity from other people and how do you figure out who other people are, it absolutely factors in the strategy. So all that to say, uh, it's an easy game. It's one It's one board. It's the druids. I think there's like 80 druids or 60 druids or something. And then it's the stack of cards that are the, the bonus cards. And then other than that, it's it's sit down and start playing. It'll only take you five to ten minutes to get going, and games go quick. I mean, you can play a game in ten minutes. You could also spend 30 minutes, I guess, if you're doing a lot of thinking. But in yeah. any case, you're not going to spend a lot of time. I think the average gameplay it says on there is 18 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's very, very quick. So over the course of an hour, you could probably get three games in really easily. So uh, And it's here's the other thing, too. It is a great game to play for people that don't play games. So if you invite friends over to your house... And, like, they're not big board game people, or maybe they haven't played in a while, but you don't really want to watch a movie. You want to kind of talk to them. You want something that's slightly mindless, but still a bit fun. This is a great game. This is like the game you sit down with the casual people, and you can still have a conversation while you're playing. And, uh, but again, you can still apply strategy to it. And, and, uh, you know, so if, if you need that, like, itch scratch, you know, if, if, you, if you need to think a bit, this is a game that you can do that as well. So uh, I love the game. I mean, it's. I think it's a solid. Um, I mean, it's probably a solid like eight game for me. Um, I'll just go ahead and apply a rating to this too. I can apply a rating to anything if I think about I it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. probably a. It's probably a pretty solid eight for me. So I enjoy the game. You know, games like I think Quartz. In some ways, I'd kind of put in a similar category. Quartz is a little bit more complicated, a little bit more setup time. I still prefer courts a little bit more uh if i'm doing like a four-player game but this game is still great i mean this one is still something that i have di- no problem they're different categories though so i would i would say you can't apply i mean i would say you probably I'm, shouldn't I'm applying apply. the casual group to it sure you know but, Scythe but is as not far a game as type of down. game like yes courts is a push is a press your luck game this is not sure. a press your luck game this is right yeah this is a i don't even know what category this is because of the the anonymity to it that's what throws this off there's definitely strategy to it but it's kind of blind strategy in some ways um so yeah it's good i like it so it's a good game so fay so fay uh f-a-e yeah no special spelling go check it out and um druids see sometimes patrick it it pays to uh to just get something that looks good off of the shelf it did well actually it cost you money it did but it pays in friend time. <laughs> friend, right, time uh, friend time is equal to 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. So you have art and design. I Andrew, do. So this means you should be bringing something good. So I'm going to bring two comics. Uh, and they're, I wouldn't say they're like traditional comics in the, in the, uh, in the sense where they're like um, funny. Yeah. 
this is this isn't comic strip. This isn't uh, this isn't Family Circus. No, these are these are both kind of one off uh, uh, trade. They're they're not trade paperbacks. They're, they're graphic novels. That's the best way to say it. Um, okay. And uh, they're both centered on the idea of um, a post apocalyptic world. They're both centered on the end of kind of the world as we know it. So I'm going to talk about two of them real quick. So the the first one is by an author and illustrator that I've talked about before. The the creator of uh, of Headlopper, um, his name is Andrew McLean. He did a book called Apocalyptic Girl, an aria for the end times. Um, and so just a, probably the, the best way to describe these is to literally read their description. So um, alone at the end of the world, Aria is a woman with a mission traipsing through an overgrown city with her only companion a cat named jelly beans aria's search for an ancient relic with immeasurable power has been fruitless so far but when a run-in with a creepy savage sets her on a path to complete her quest she'll face death um she'll face death head-on in hopes of claiming her prize and if all goes according to plan finally return home this book is awesome uh, so I love the art style. It's very, it's it's very kind of Mike Mignola, but like a brighter version of Mike Mignola. I turned to probably the least visual page that I could have possibly done to show you. There you go. Here's the inside of it, Patrick. Yeah. Um, you get here's the back of it. You kind of get the sense that it's. Uh, she almost looks like um, Sigourney Weaver's character from Alien. Who I'm I'm blanking on her character name right now, but from Alien, she kind of has that look about her. Um, but it takes place in a city and, uh, everything's overgrown. Think of the movie legend. Um, I am legend. Yeah. And it looks kind of like that, but, uh, there are other people and those people have kind of, there are like high tech, high, 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 high tech, uh, characters that kind of come about in the, in the book. But for the most part, the people she encounters on a daily basis are savages. They've kind of, um, They've kind of cycled back to the beginning in terms of uh, very primitive type uh, tribes. People is kind of how um, I would describe them, and that uh, and that kind of juxtaposition is is just really really cool to see this high tech sci fi stuff mixed with the um, the old world um, makes this book so beautiful. And her name Aria is actually. Uh, has a double meaning because throughout the course of the book, she she recites the lyrics to an aria in French, I believe, um, throughout the entire book, and so uh, it's really really good. Can it's, I ask the obvious question? Okay, what is an aria? So an aria is a long accompanied song for a solo voice, typically one in an opera or operetta. Make sense. So it's yeah. a it's a okay. song intended to be sung by by one person, um, and it tells a story. So her name has multiple meanings. There's an aria throughout the whole, and I think it's an actual aria if I if I remember correctly. Um, I'd have to flip through here and find one of the pages where where it goes into it. Um, but uh, there are different stanzas of this aria that play themselves out throughout the course of the book. It's awesome. It's just a great great book. Um, the other one, the other book that I have is one that I have not read yet. I picked it up uh, a couple weeks ago. I haven't read, but it looks amazing. So here, I'll show it to you, Patrick. This book is called New York, N-I-O-U-R-K. <laughs> I like that. Um, and uh, this book has a lot of similarities to Apocalyptic Girl, which is why I'm kind of grouping them together. 
Um, it's a it's a post apocalyptic book, and it uh, is centers around New York City, post apocalypse New York City, where there have been like four or five groups that have created clans or tribes, and they go back to very simplistic, very much uh, early man type um, uh, tribes people. And they encounter this little black boy who seems to have maybe some kind of radioactive something going on with him. The illustration work. So this book is by Oliver Vatine. It's a it's a Frenchman. If you look, Patrick, I'll try to show you. This book is big, so I'm trying to show you and be on camera. Um, yeah. Here are some of the illustrations for it. You see, there's the boy inside of like a uh, like a tube, like a cylindrical uh-huh. tube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, you're not even on camera, but um, no, no, I, I can kind of see it. I okay. was seeing at least like half of a page. <laughs> so you see, I mean, you can see here. Here's New York City, but it's it looks just like what you see in I Am Legend. Like there's it's forest, like the forests are overgrown. There's waterfalls in places yeah. now, and so um, the the connection between these two books kind of paints kind of paints the picture of what life after a nuclear fallout could look like and they paint the same kind of picture where we kind of start over um and and technology has to uh we have to kind of catch back up with technology so the illustrations in both of these books are vastly different but they're both very very cool uh there will be links to them both in the show notes um new york i'm guessing because it's like the new new york it sounds like new york when you read it um but uh anyway Go pick up these books if you're interested in post-apocalyptic, but you don't necessarily want another zombie uh, post-apocalyptic comic book. This isn't Walking Dead, all right? This isn't uh, uh, Zombie Land. This isn't any of those things. This is th- these are two unique tellings of a post-apocalyptic world. So, um, anyway, that's it for art and design, which means that's it for this episode. You can find show notes and links to all the stuff we just talked about at mofonepodcast.com we talked about a lot of stuff go pick up some of this stuff from some of these artists they're very very cool very cool looking and very uh great reads great additions to your collections and when you pick that stuff up let them know you heard about it on the show um doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get anything special but you never know a lot of these people are our friends they might just send you a fun little note or maybe something a little special so um let them know that uh that you heard about them from us and uh you can support the show by liking subscribing rating reviewing all of those different things following us on uh, the different platforms we're on all of them we're on all the social medias we're on all the internet things just go to M of One Podcast. You can find us at uh, on Discord. Go to M of One Podcast.com slash Discord or slash family uh, to join the conversation there where we have, gosh, so many people day in and day out having conversations about the stuff that we all like um, and then occasionally about the stuff we don't like. And uh, a great place to commiserate, a great place to find people to support you, and a great place to get uh, good critique and feedback about your work. It's just a great place. It's a one-stop shop for all that stuff. Um, A lot of cool people are in there. You should be too. You can also support the show by going to shop.mofonepodcast.com where you can financially support what we're doing and get some really cool swag uh, to show your support. Is there anything else that I'm missing with any of that, Patrick? Oh, yeah, we are going to be at Pop-Up Crop. That's a big one. This is a big one. A month so, away. Yeah, we're a month away. We are going to Portland, Oregon. This is our first time announcing this. We're going to Portland, Oregon. And uh, Tranter Gray, 
the uh, the production house, the these great uh, design studio and video studio, um, is sending us out to Portland to be a part of Pop Up Crop. We're going to be doing hot seats there. Brought to you by Tranter Gray. Um, man, they do awesome, awesome work. So uh, yeah, we actually talked to them on a hot seat at at Pop Up Crop at Austin. Pop Up Crop in Austin. Yeah, and uh, we talked to them then, and and we've stayed in touch since then. And and man, they're they're sending us out to. Portland, so we're to the land of Draplin. Oh, and you better believe we will capitalize on that. And so we're Fred Armisen, to- <laughs> Armisen. <laughs> so we're for sure pumped to be out there. We're excited to kind of see the tribe and see the group and and hang out with the people. See see the people that are able to come to the Portland pop up crop that maybe weren't able to make it to Austin or weren't able to make it uh, to Baton Rouge. And we might um, just do a little meetup up there too for those of you who are going to be in the area. Uh, but uh, aren't going to be able to make it to pop-up crop. We know a handful of you listeners who are Portlandians or at least people who are really close to Portland. We want to see you out there. We want to play some games. We want to hang out and get a drink. Um, but you'll hear more about that as the weeks go on. But that is, when is that? It's like the August, what did you say it? August 17th through the 19th or oh, something like that? Oh, I, th- I think, because so it's, hold on. Uh, pop-up you know, crop gonna... is just one day, but we're going to be there for several days. Exactly. So pop-up crop itself is, august 17th but we will be out there i think starting the 15th and so we'll be there from the 15th to the 18th so we'll definitely do the meetup one of those days yeah my guess is probably the night of the 16th but don't hold me to it we'll let you know for sure once we get closer and again tranter gray over at trantergray.com they are they do super good work, but they're also super great people. So yeah. definitely go check it out. Support what they're doing. All right. Uh, we're going to get out of this episode for now. And I promise sometime soon you'll hear Luke's sultry voice once again. But for now, I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> Peace out. Bye. Bye.